It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up, biggest roster battles, our Cardinals joint practice preview, plus a Vikings trade scenario for Quasi before week one. It's all coming up next on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Back in the lab, another edition, Football Party, Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. This is your daily breakdown, everything Minnesota Vikings. That's Sam Ekstrom. He's on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, let me open with this. Did you watch episode two of Hard Knocks yet this week? So today is Tuesday. I watched last week's episode, right? That's what you're saying? Yeah, last episode week's episode two. two. Yeah, episode three yeah. comes out tonight. Yep, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Episode yep. three comes out tonight. So mm-hmm. you saw the part near the end where the offensive line are in the film room, but on Sundays, instead of watching game film, they watch what they call Cinematic Sunday. Do you remember that part? I, so if I you do. haven't seen it, Cinematic Sunday, yep. they review some old classic movies for these young kids. Try to expose these young guys to movies they probably missed growing up. I saw that last night. I thought to myself, wow, I think we need to start doing that for you on Friday roundtables with Ron and Reggie. In fact, you better hope Ron doesn't catch wind of that. Maybe you guys have already brought it up on the Ron Johnson show. He will 100% make that a bit moving forward because there's nothing Ron Johnson loves more than pointing out the fact you haven't seen any in every movie he likes to randomly bring up on the spot from, oh, you know, 1995 and act like, Sam, you're weird for not knowing this movie that I just randomly brought up. So keep that under wraps for Ron anyways, but we'll see if that gets brought up uh, moving forward. I'd like yeah. to have a movie off with Ron. I'd like uh, to that actually would be great. go I think we need that. movie for need movie it. and see like, okay, I haven't seen the 90s cult comedies. No, I haven't. But if we go like prestige movies of the last 15 years, I would like to actually have a movie off with Ron. So Mr. Johnson, I challenge you. Woo! To a cinematic competition. You heard it here first. Hey, for people who don't know, I made a top 50 movie list with my family one night, and then I made Sam start compiling his own list. We lost the list. We don't like to bring it up. Still some harsh wounds that haven't healed yet. But do you remember what your top two or three was? Um, The Prestige is my favorite movie of all time. Number one with a bullet The the Christopher Nolan uh, magician classic from, I think, 06. Miracle is my favorite sports movie of all time. Mm. So that probably mm-hmm. has to fit in the top five there somewhere. After that, I mean, I, it it is so hard to like sift through number two, number three, number yeah. four. It, it's so much harder than you think. Once you actually sit down, you start narrowing it down because there's such a huge spectrum of movies and it gets so tough. Highly recommended, though. It's one of my favorite things that I ever did with my family. I got my list pulled up. Number one for me, Shutter Island, Leonardo DiCaprio, Martin Scorsese, Cloud Atlas 2, Boyhood 3, The Prestige 4, so it's in my top five as well, Christopher Nolan, one of my favorites, The Departed, Goodfellas, Mystic River, Braveheart, Goodwill Hunting, and to round out my top ten, The Dark Knight, another Christopher Nolan on there. But it's extremely difficult. Highly recommended, though. Go make a Google spreadsheet. That's where you start. And just start somewhere. And then slowly over time, you think of a new movie. You just pull up your phone. You add it to the list. Comment below, by the way. What's your top five movies of all time? Would love to compare and contrast our lists with yours. All right. Coming up here, Sam, we got to talk about the biggest roster battles with cut down day. That's right around the corner. Later, we'll get into the Vikes Cardinals joint practices, what we're looking for. But first, quick reminder, don't forget this episode. It's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. 
All right, Sam, let me just preface this first segment with this. I mean, yesterday on the show, on the football party with Arif and Luke, we talked at length about these roster battles and the bubble guys and who we'd keep, who we'd cut. If you haven't already, go back and check that episode out because we did do a major deep dive into this final 53-man projections yesterday. But in case you missed it, I guess let's just keep the conversation going here because I think there's still a lot to unpack as far as just – how dramatic and how tight race some of these final three, four, or five spots are going to end up being. Uh, let me just go through these positions super quick because I think for me, the big takeaway from yesterday was cornerback, wide receiver, and defensive line were probably the three biggest hot topics for me. The majority of everything else, though, feels somewhat set in stone, doesn't it? Like quarterbacks, you know they're keeping three. Running backs, they're keeping five with C.J. Ham. Offensive line, they kept 10 last year. I think they only keep nine this year. They cut Oliudo. They got to save a spot somewhere on this roster. Tight end, probably the fourth biggest wild card on the roster. But again, we talked about this yesterday. The fact that KOC is leaning into this two tight end set more makes you think they'll probably keep four with Nick Muse, especially considering just the preseason he's having. Uh, linebacker, we agreed they'll keep four. Jordan Hicks, Brian Osamoa, Ivan Pace, Troy Dye. Safety, that's set in stone as well. Harry, Bynum, Metellus, Scene, Jay Ward. So I guess end of the day here, Sam, just to simplify things, defensive line, cornerback, and wide receiver feels like where the biggest decisions need to be made. So Let's just start at defensive line because I got to be yeah. honest. I was a little shocked. I was in the minority yesterday. You three were more than comfortable only keeping five. Keeping in mind, they kept six last year, but you got Phillips, Laurie, Tonga. That's your big three. Those are your starters. Jaquelin Roy, you know he's going to make the team. He was a fifth-round draft pick. And then you get to an absolute – it's just a laundry list, just a grab bag of about six, seven guys who all kind of feel about the same. Ross Blacklock, okay, they gave up picks for him last offseason. Jonathan Bullard, you want to keep a savvy veteran? He's probably the guy. Asezi, he was a day three pick just last year, and we think they like him and what he's kind of shown this offseason. Sheldon Day, he had a great game versus the Titans. TJ Smith has flashed. Super tough, Sam, to just pick one of these guys. But ultimately, I mean, you think that's what's going to happen, right? They're only going to keep one of those guys that I listed and ultimately keep five. Is that fair? I am not at all convicted about the five thing. Oh. I mean, I think the, the the numbers and yeah, I, I went along with it yesterday. Peer pressure. The, num the numbers are so tough, right? Because you want to keep five edges. Because you want to keep Luigi Villain. You want to keep Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham. Okay. Well, you got to find that that spot somewhere. And it might come at the expense of a TJ Smith, a Ross Blacklock. Um, I, I look at Phillips, Lowry, and Tonga, right? It's not the most overwhelming interior starting group of all time, right? You've got Lowry, who's an aging vet coming off a tough year. You've got Tonga, who has never proven this before. And then Phillips is pretty established, but you're probably going to want to rotate that group. So I could totally see six. I could totally see Roy, Otomewo, and TJ Smith. That could, and, and then you still are leaving out Bullard, right? Like this is where I think you've got the most guys on equal footing. Bullard, Roy, Otomewo, Smith. I kind of see them all the same way. None of them are spectacular, but they could all be role players. The question is, where do you, where do you find the spot? And that's where guys like Nick Muse, right on the bubble, are in very precarious situations. Najee Thompson, who we argued about yesterday, very precarious situation. Tristan Jackson, everybody who's at the bottom of their position could get booted if they feel like they need that extra defensive lineman or, you know, vice versa. So that's where it's tough, Luke. And I think we, we kind of forced our hand. We said, all right, we got to find a spot for Najee. Uh, so they, that you know, we cut Bullard, but, I'm not at all like convinced that's the way it's going to go. How about you? Yeah, so you're 50-50 along with myself. I guess originally when I said, you guys are only going to keep five defensive linemen knowing that they're going to want a heavy rotation. And again, it's just tough to kind of sift through who they're going to keep, who not. But I think at the end of the day, I still think they want six bodies back there to have only two backup defensive linemen for all four quarters week to week. 
it just makes me think, what if somebody goes down, gets dinged up? What if two people go down and get dinged up? You got to have some bodies back there. Now you're going to keep six. Where's that extra spot yeah. coming from? Well, and Let's, one more point. One more yeah, point on ahead. that. Yeah. 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 It is just, it's easier than ever to shuffle guys on and off the practice squad with those new rules. They don't, they're not subjected to waivers when they go back on for the first two times. Right. So you can keep five and then probably sneak through a couple of those guys onto the practice squad. No problem. So then week one, okay. You elevate your sixth guy week two, elevate your sixth guy. At some point, there's going to be an injury that occurs. Mm -hmm. Then you can sign them to the active roster. They become part of the 53. It's very easy to finagle these days with the practice squad. So really, and we still think of it as a 53-man roster. It really is more of a 69-man roster with that practice squad and those 16 spots. And these coaches have very savvy ways of making sure that they're kind of a pseudo part of the 53. So just because they keep five doesn't mean that's going to be a game day five. It could definitely be a game day six. No, that's a great point. couple roster changes the NFL has made over the last few years. First of all, they used to have two cut down days. They'd go from 90 to 75, then 75 to 53. Now it's all one big shot. They go from 90 to 53. That happens next week, next Tuesday, August 29th. All teams have to be down to 53 guys. And then, like you said, they expanded those practice squad roster spots as well. Being able to have 16 guys nearly double what it used to be is so nice. What a luxury. And I think the NFL noticed teams are going to so many more sub packages, especially on defense, that teams just in a perfect world need guys that have these specific unique roles carved out that it's tough to always keep activated week to week, depending on the weekly game plan and the opponent. So I'm glad they did that and made that choice and switch because I think it behooves the entire NFL when it comes to trimming your roster down to 53 guys. Uh, let's stay with the defense. Let's go to cornerback. You brought this up a little bit. This was probably the most dramatic, the most heated debate yesterday. And again, go check out that episode. It's around the halfway mark when things starts to get pretty dramatic. Basically, Luke and Arif, they're 100% sold that Najee Thompson is and should make the team because of his special teams play alone. You say there's no way, especially if it comes at the cost of cutting someone like Andrew Booth or Joan Williams. Is that right? And by the way, they kept six last year. Highly doubtful they can do the same this year, especially when you think about, again, they're already keeping an extra quarterback compared to last year at Jaron Hall. Uh, last year, they only kept three tight ends. This year, we think they'll keep four. So you're already down two spots from that alone. Oh, and plus you got an extra safety, Sam, too. Last year, they kept four. This year with Jay Ward, uh, that makes five. So that's really tough. So um, cornerback, Joan Williams, Andrew Booth, Najee Thompson. Just kind of pick up where you left off yesterday. All right, so... Najee Thompson has had a wonderful, wonderful preseason from a from a special team standpoint. He is not a defensive player. He's not. I mean, at no point have they ever put him, even with the twos, I don't think. He's not a cornerback. He's a special teamer, and that's it. Um, so if you're keeping him, you gotta keep six because you can't have him be your fifth and and last corner. And, and think about the injury history of this cornerback group. Juwan Williams, Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth Jr., Byron Murphy, they've all had injuries within the past year. For Andrew Booth, it's a chronic thing. For Caleb Evans, the concussions can happen at any time, and because he's had so many, that could be a lingering issue if it comes up again. Uh, Makai Blackman is currently injured. Juwan Williams had you know dealt with it last year in New England. Like, none of these guys are sure things. Okay. So that means Thompson is your sixth corner. That that has to be the only way it works if he's going to be on this team. So then you are, you're not replacing Booth. You're not replacing John Williams. It's in addition to those guys. And then you got to pull from somewhere else. So are you willing to sacrifice a potential contributor at wide receiver, someone who will be on the field, on offense for you, like Christian Jackson, maybe in the future? Are you willing to sacrifice someone who could be rushing the passer for Najee Thompson? We Special teams is important. It is not as important as offense. It is not as important as defense. You can have a great special teams unit without having a special teams ace, right? Like a lot of teams don't have that and they still have very successful units because it is a unit based 
thing. Um, Najee Thompson has had two, what, two spectacular punt guns in, in two preseason games. And then he had, he did a nice job downing the ball against Seattle one time. They were a great place. And now he's concussed. So he's unlikely to play in the third preseason game. So are you willing to give him a spot based on two outstanding preseason plays on special teams and take that from somebody else? I would rather, I think, have him as a practice squad guy, maybe refine his craft as a cornerback, elevate him, use his elevations, get him in there, but I wouldn't take up the 53rd spot for him. I just think you have too much competition elsewhere. I completely agree. Here's what it all boils down to. Just to echo what you said, Luke's and Arif's whole case was the fact that special teams is too important to let a guy like Najee go, which I agree, just like you mentioned, it is very important. Special teams can win or lose you two, three games alone every year. Difference between 10 and 7 and 8 and 9. I get it. And a cornerback five, like they said, isn't playing that much except on special teams. Okay, that's fair. But I don't think they put enough value in stocking in the thought of what happens when a guy or two gets banged up in the middle of the season, just like you said. Now I need that same cornerback five. That guy's starting, Sam, in the slot or maybe the boundary cornerback for three, four weeks at a time. Who knows? And when that happens, do you want Joan Williams, who's actually played cornerback for four years in the league under Bill Belichick? Or do you want a rookie from Georgia Southern who doesn't have that much experience yet in the NFL? That's my point, right? Like, yes, on paper, Cornerback five means more to special teams than they do to the actual cornerback position. But that's on paper, and that's in a perfect world where no one ever gets hurt, right? We're playing Madden, turn the injuries off. Knowing this pass-happy league, and I say this all the time, when teams spread you out four or five wide, on top of the fact that guys will get hurt and go down, I want my backup cornerbacks to be able to slide right in at a minimum, be competent and not a huge liability every play. Otherwise, dude, it's too easy. Teams are just going to pick on that guy. Oh, look, number 36 is out on the field. Hot route, hot route. Omaha, <laughs> Omaha. Eagle, Eagle. It's too easy, man. Like, yeah, I, I love what he's doing on special teams. I hope they find a spot for him somehow, some way. But in the real world, where guys are missing every week, I'm not putting him in over a guy like Andrew Booth or Joan Williams. I'm just, I'm not there mentally yet. I'm just not there because you think Booth's bad out there from time to time? No disrespect to Najee, but trust me, it would only be worse with him, an undrafted rookie from Georgia Southern, a small school out there against quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Bryce Young. They're too smart. They're too savvy, all right? They're going to exploit a matchup like that as soon as they see that guy in the field all day long. All right, so you and I agree. No Najee, keeping Booth and Joe on, and there's your five. Let's go to wide receiver here because this may be, it may be the most compelling list top to bottom. There's about seven different legitimate names fighting for probably one spot, and each of them brings kind of a unique and different skill set to the table. That's what's so intriguing to me about this. First of all, here's your starters. JJ, KJ, Addison, Jalen Naylor, which we don't know what's going on with him. And then going out, yesterday, he did return. Oh, very yeah. good. Okay, finally, some good news with Jalen Naylor. Excellent. Um, and then just going off everything we've seen, everything we've heard, wide receiver five is going to be Powell over Jalen Rager as of today anyways. That's where it stands. That's probably your five, Sam. But with just how good these guys have looked, I personally hope they give at least – two if not three of these names a practice squad spot again knowing you got 16 of them Thayer mm -hmm. Thomas Blake Prohl Nikhil Harry Tristan Jackson Garrett Mogg Lucky Jackson Jacob Copeland and then of course Jalen Rager too is still in the mix here so two questions here for you Sam one we both started out training camp saying Rager is toast all the way back in like June we said that are you still 100% on that that he doesn't make the team and two if I said, hey, here's two practice squad spots, which two guys are you keeping? Who's your guys of that list? I think that Jalen Rager has had a better camp than he's gotten credit for and, that a lot, and than a lot of people have expected. But I still think Brandon Powell has been better. They've used him a lot more creatively, and he seems to be their choice to be the punt returner. I think he's won that job. Jalen Rager will probably 
hit free agency and get picked up by somebody. I think he'll find another team. Practice squad, if you're not putting Tristan on your roster, Tristan Jackson is your number one practice squad choice. Number two, with a bullet, I think, is Thayer Thomas. Thayer Thomas has been consistent. He uh, gets open, creates separation, not necessarily with burning speed, just with route running savvy. I think he's kind of a technician. Then it would be probably Blake Prohl after that. Tie, in a tie with Lucky Jackson, I think. Those two would vie for a potential third practice squad spot. Um, Tristan Jackson making the roster, though, has to be, at this point, a 50-50 proposition. I don't know what his special team's prowess is quite as well. That could be what holds him back. Um, but I think he's done enough as a receiver to be thought of very highly in that regard. And again, you know, Osborne may be gone next year. Powell probably gone after this year. You do need to have some guys in the wings to step in and be your depth for next year. And Tristan Jackson would be an outstanding choice. He's been really good. Yeah, if Rager was just like picked up off the streets for nothing last year, I'd say, okay, he's toast 100%. But the fact that they gave up multiple picks for him makes me think they're still trying and going to do everything they can to get him on the team and be a part of the long-term plan. And I'm not saying that's right from a roster management standpoint. You should be keeping the best 53 guys. If you don't think he's in that group, then you shouldn't keep a guy just because you gave up draft picks for him. You got to cut bait, call a loss a loss. But that's just the sense I'm getting and where, you know, I was once 100% certain he'd be gone. Now I'm like down to like only 70%. I'm still thinking he's going to be cut, but I'm just having a hard time with that one. I keep going back and forth on that one because as you said, he has had a quietly under the radar, pretty solid training camp. Fact that he hasn't been returning punts though, um, that still puts him in that, that side of the table as far as more likely to be cut. Ultimately though, I will say, you just can't keep all these guys, Sam. So I'm going to say no on Rager. Got to make some tough cuts. My two practice squad guys, I think would be, I'm with you on Thayer Thomas for sure. Tristan, man, I keep going back and forth on. I'm actually going to say, just to be different, I'm going to say Nikhil Harry, actually. Because not only do I think, if I keep Thayer Thomas and Nikhil Harry, not only do I think both of them are worthy from what I've seen thus far in camp, preseason game, they've showed enough promise. But I think they complement each other so perfectly. Harry, you got the big boundary alpha above the rim, go up and get it kind of receiver. Thayer, as you mentioned, that quick, shifty, clean route runner I can put on the inside. I think it's a perfect mix, a great balance. Makes me feel good about pulling either one up pending you know, the week-to-week matchups, which type of flavor I want to use in my weekly game plan pending on the opponent that week. That's why I like those two specifically. Things are going to get tough, man. Uh, final thoughts when you think about just how tough, mm-hmm. how heated this final 53-man cutdown day is going to be after going through each position like we did today. Yeah, I just I know that we've thought through every scenario and we will still find a way to be surprised when it when the day comes. There will be some surprises. And you know, Andrew Kramer, Star Tribune, he put out there that Jaron Hall would get cut in his projection. And I don't think that's a possibility right now, but you have to at least be open to that scenario that Jaron Hall is uh is not on this roster, which fifth round pick, uh, a rookie quarterback, your cousins is expiring after this year. I think that Jaron Hall needs to be on this team, but that would be a way to save a roster spot. Uh, there could also be some other surprise cuts, Dwayne McBride, perhaps Jay Ward, um, who I think two guys that we've assumed are locks. Maybe Quasi's a little more receptive to, to cutting bait with some rookies. So keep an eye on those rookies from the bottom of the draft and, and make sure that they actually get on the team like we've been expecting. Yeah, that's a hot take by Kramer for sure. Um, I think for what months before the draft, we talked about even if it's not a first rounder, KOC needs to leave this draft with a developmental quarterback. We're only what two months in his career. I know he hasn't flashed like maybe we hoped. You know, the processing skills looked have kind of looked slow at times for sure, but I can't cut bait on him just yet, just to keep an extra tight end, a tight end four. It's just too important of a position, especially long-term. But I will say to that point, just knowing how tight this is going to get for those last two, three spots, Kramer's right in the fact that you do have to think 
outside the box. You got to throw out the norm thinking here. And I think if you're Quasi or KOC, they're probably going to surprise us. He's right. Like we just assume they're going to keep four tight ends just because he wants to use more two tight end sets this year and run the ball better. Well, maybe you can still get away with three tight ends. You can put Muse on the practice squad, especially knowing they have some position flexibility with CJ Ham, who's lined up at tight end once in a while. So I think they're going to have to get creative. And again, I think they're going to have to shave a guy or two at maybe a position or two that we've just kind of overlooked and glossed over every time we do these 53-man projections mm-hmm. because I'm telling you, every spot matters. So maybe some of the things we're just assuming need to be reevaluated more closely and questions need to be asked. That's all I'm saying. All these questions, though, they're going to be answered a week from today, August 29th, all 32 teams. Got to get those rosters trimmed down from 90 all the way to 53, Sam. Don't blink, man. Coming up quick. All right, coming up, biggest matchups and observations when the Cardinals come to town for joint practice tomorrow. But first, quick reminder, don't forget, we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sports book and official sports book partner of the NFL. Football season, it's just weeks away, and FanDuel's giving you the chance to win all season long. Check this out right now. When you bet on any Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Pick any team to win the Super Bowl. You'll get bonus bets back for every single victory. How great is that? You can use those bonus bets on money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders. You name it, they got it. Just for example, you want to bet on the Vikes, 25 to 1. I like those odds to win it all. Every time they win in the regular season, you're getting bonus bets back into your account the very next day. Maybe you think the Chiefs are going to win 13 games again. That's 13 bonus bets back throughout the regular season for free. Just download the easy-to-use FanDuel app and get your winnings instantly. Go check it out today, fanduel.com slash locked on, and start earning bonus bets back with this limited-time promotion on America's number one sportsbook. It's fanduel.com slash locked on. All right, Sam, Titans came and went. There were some ups. There were some downs. Everybody had fun. Now it's the Arizona Cardinals turn to visit TCO Stadium for more joint practices Wednesday and Thursday, capped off with the preseason game this Saturday. Kickoff noon Central Standard Time, by the way, not your normal 7 p.m. kickoff. We briefly touched on it yesterday, so I don't want to get too redundant, but let's just each go back and forth with one broad overview you're just most excited to watch, and then... One player-specific matchup you can't wait to see. What's at the top of your list for Vikes-Cardinals tomorrow, just in general? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, it's very Minnesotan of me to talk about the weather, but the heat is going to be the big storyline. Last week, it was the wind. The wind kind of ruined things for the offense both days. Uh, Forecast today is crazy, and the Vikings are practicing by themselves. But then tomorrow, forecasted 97 Thursday, a little cooler, 89, but heat indexes are going to be above 100. Crazy humidity. It's going to be wild. I mean, Arizona, I know they're used to heat, but it's more dry heat. It's going to be hot for them, too. It's going to be hot for the fans. Stay hydrated. That's going to be a big story. And I, it might actually limit the amount of physicality we see in this practice. The Titans practices were very physical. These Cardinals practices, maybe they're all a little worn out. Maybe that'll be dialed back just a tad. But from a player-to-player standpoint, there aren't a lot of matchups where you say, oh, the Cardinals have a huge edge here. No, I mean, the Vikings should have advantages in a lot of different areas. They should be able to shut down a wide receiving core that consists of Hollywood Brown, Rondale Moore, pew, 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 explosives, and Zach (laughs) Paschal. They should be able to get pass rush against Will Hernandez, Paris Johnson, Elijah Wilkinson, DJ Humphreys, et cetera. And their offense, again, going up against a, a cornerback group of Jalen Thompson, Marco Wilson, um, Antonio Hamilton. Like These are not big names. These are not established talents. I think the Vikings should be able to have a big edge here in these practices. And, uh, you know, not, no Kyler Murray. So you're going to be facing Colt McCoy with the first team and something called Clayton Toon. With the next team, maybe David Blau. I don't know who their number two quarterback is without Murray. But yeah, it's not going to be a star-studded event for the Cardinals, that's for sure. Yeah, love those observations. Weather for sure going to play a huge factor. Bring your sunblock, find some shade. Here's something that stuck out to me when I did some digging on 
just this Arizona team this week, here's where the Cardinals ranked in penalties the last four years. Last year, they were number one in penalties against in the entire NFL. 2021, they were third in the league. 2020, they were first again. And then fifth in 2019. Top five the last four years in a row, Sam, with two number one finishes. So, I mean, they've been notoriously sloppy the last four years. The Vikings, meanwhile, by the way, 15 penalties these first two preseason games, which has been pretty brutal to watch. I'm not going to lie, just from a fan's perspective. So I know it's just practice, but when you're out there the next two days, keep that in the back of your mind. Just keep an eye on how clean or sloppy both teams look and if those refs have a lot of laundry flying around. Because as far as the Cardinals go, that's easily, without a doubt, the worst in the league over that span. And I get it. I know that was all under Cliff Kingsbury, a different coach. But after seeing those stats, I guess now I'm just more curious than anything to see what the shift looks like now with Jonathan Gannon and just how different they look. What's the vibe? What's the new tone and attitude of this new Arizona Cardinals team led by a new head coach? Because sometimes a lot of that does fall on the head coach. The Vikings under Mike Zimmer in 2021 ranked eighth in most penalties. Then KOC shows up last year. They ranked eighth in fewest penalties. So huge difference there. It can definitely happen. Sometimes that's all is needed is just a little culture change, a little shift at the top starts with the coaching. And with the Vikes, I'm just looking to see if they can start cleaning a lot of these mistakes up because 15 penalties, Sam, in two games. I know it's a lot of backups, but that is not KOC's MO. We know that. So I want to see, again, two really clean days of practice because Sam, we got about 17 more days to tighten the screws and figure it all out before those problems start to get much, much more magnified in the regular season. Um, love the specific individual matchups you brought up. Um, yesterday, I talked about the difference between the Titans defensive line and the Cardinals. I hope the interior offensive line looks night and day better because if not, again, I think Dalton Reisner, those rumors need to heat back up again. Quasey needs to pick up the phone. But outside of that, you know I'm a total draft nerd. There was two big sleepers we both love from this class at linebacker, Owen Papo from Auburn, and of course, Ivan Pace Jr. I pulled up my final big board. I had Papo ranked as my 90th ranked player, Ivan Pace as my 96th. So very two similar grades there by the time the draft finally rolled around. So I know they won't be on the field at the same time, but just to get a live look up close in person, compare and contrast a little bit, that's going to be a lot of fun. See how they look, you know, in the early stages of their career. And then I just thought they had a really good draft outside of that, too. A lot of guys that I personally like. Michael Wilson, he stood out at the Senior Bowl. Wide receiver from Stanford. My 99th ranked player made the top 100. Sounds like he's already starting with the first team. So seeing him matched up against, you know, Caleb Evans and Byron Murphy. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yep. BJ Ojolari, the edge from LSU undersized, a little bit smaller, more of a tweener, but a motor that doesn't quit. He was the captain at LSU. That speaks volumes. Teammates with Jay Ward. Don't be surprised if they uh, you know, chatted up quite a bit before and after practice. He made my top 50. He was my 49th ranked guy. So just a lot of star-studded power in this class. And then, of course, their number one pick, the first offensive lineman off the board. Cheers, Sam. I want to see how he holds up versus guys like a veteran Marcus Davenport, Patrick Jones, Luigi Villain, and guys like that. And I'll say this quick too. The offensive line play in the NFL is so putrid right now, Sam. All <laughs> these five-star high school recruits, they go into college. They say, all right, I'm, I'm going to flip the defense where I can put up the fun stats, right, and get all the cool viral videos. I get to put up all the sacks and tackles for locks. And ultimately, I get to make more money if and when I make it to the NFL. And I think it's caught up to the league now where the defensive line play versus the offensive line play and just overall talent right now, it's extremely lopsided right now. So I think it puts more pressure on guys like Paris Johnson to come in, make a big impact right away for their team. So just as a draft nut, I'm looking for him along with all those other rookies as well. Any final thoughts? Cardinals, Vikes, joint practice number one tomorrow in the heat. It's the emotional return of Chris uh, Boyd. Oh, Chris there you Boyd go. Yeah, is going to be, uh, yeah. yeah, he's going to be active in special teams drills. That's for sure. Also, the emotional return of Drew Petzing, the former, that was Justin Jefferson's first wide receivers coach, who is now the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon. Also, the triumphant return of Davion Davis, 
who was the Malik mm. Knowles of 2021, the guy that I was excited about and uh, never really did anything for the Vikings. But there you go. Those are my guys. Boyd, Petsing, Davis, let's go. Let's go. Let's play. GGYG, go get you guys. Uh, great dig. Great pulls there, by the way. Some good name drops. Uh, I got my fantasy draft, my first of two fantasy drafts on Friday. Uh, I got to see just how good Hollywood Brown is looking as well. See if he's got any hashtag chemistry going on with Colt McCoy yet. See if he's really worth this fourth round pick. Everybody's buzzing about. Uh, Sam, you're going to be out there live on site at TCO and Egan all week long reporting back from practice with notes, press conference takeaways. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube page and get your Vikings coverage right here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota all month long. All right. I do want to end with what's more likely one of our new favorite segments. But before we do that, right around the corner, cut down days just a week from today, we always see a ton of wheeling and dealing from all 32 teams. Quasi specifically last year, his first year as a GM, made trades for Ross Blacklock, made trades for Jalen Rager. He traded away Jesse Davis, the backup guard, for a future conditional pick from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to make you pick. Which position group the Vikings are most likely to trade for or make a splash move for? And if you have a specific move in mind, I'd love to hear that as well. But this can be a position most likely to be targeted via free agency or a trade before week one of the regular season. Cornerback, running back, or offensive line? What do you think? Okay, so I've got a trade proposal that does not involve those position groups, but oh, if they were if okay. they were to add um at one of those three, it would not be running back because they can just sign a free agent. Um cornerback, I think it's hard to schematically bring in a cornerback this late in the game and have them contribute. I just think that's a really tough position to adjust to. Offensive line, probably a little bit more doable, but still getting late in the game for that too. And the whole thing with this group has been continuity, continuity, continuity. Well, you'd be interrupting that uh, if you did that. But here's my trade scenario. You want it? I'm, it's, uh, it's a theoretical, so it's not going to be boring. It's a little splashy. It's a little crazy. Lay it on us. Turn up well, the Well, what do you look for when you look for a trade partner? You look for a team that is down and out, trying to amass assets, trying to get rid of veterans, get younger get rid of those expiring contracts so they don't leave the team with nothing. Jerry Hughes, Texans, edge rusher, former Bill, longtime Bill, current Texan, 35 years old, coming off a season where he had 58 pressures, nine sacks. Luke, he's been good. He is good. He has not dropped off with age. He's another one of those veteran pass rushers that's still doing it in his mid-30s. Jerry Hughes. They just drafted Will Anderson. Jerry Hughes is no longer needed to the same extent. He might be their third edge. Trade a fourth and a fifth to Houston for Jerry Hughes and watch magic happen. All right. How much of that was just dictated by the fact that you just wanted to say Jerry about seven times there in 30 seconds. You love Jerry. Jerry, the sledgehammer Hughes <laughs> coming to the Vikes. Uh, I love it. That could make sense. Great pull there, by the way. Didn't know he's been that dominant at least last season. I could totally see that. That would be great. I'm looking straight at the offensive line here. I think this season really rests on the interior offensive line play. I think of the three positions I named, running back and cornerback, I at least have enough bodies to at least work with. Let the coaches do their thing with some of the young talent already on the roster. Offensive line, though, it still feels like we need more bodies in depth because if someone were to go down, man, this team is in a world of hurt yet again. So Cody Ford is who I'm targeting. He's now in Cincinnati. He's played four years in the league. He's never posted a PFF grade higher than 54. Not great. Not what you want to see. Don't love that. But when it comes to pass blocking specifically, Sam, in 1,219 snaps over the last three years, he's only allowed five sacks and six quarterback hits. In over 1,200 snaps, Sam, five sacks, six quarterback hits. So I think just given 
again, we just talked about how weak, how depleted the offensive line market is and just the offensive line play in general in the NFL. Given this guy was a top 50 pick when he came out in 2019, played for that incredible Oklahoma Sooners offensive line with Drew Samia. You remember that name, Creed Humphrey, all those guys blocking for Joe Mixon and Baker Mayfield. One of the, if not the number one offense in the country that year, given the fact He's mostly been injured pretty much his entire career. He hasn't really ever been able to find any momentum and play healthy, find his footing yet. I think he can get him for a late day three pick now, help solidify the backup interior and feel way better about that position just heading into this long gauntlet of a season. Cody Ford, future six-round pick is what I'd start at. Sign me up, get him in the building, get him healthy for once, and then you go into next offseason with Blake Brandle, and him as your two guys you can bring back and at least build around some guys here, some staples as far as depth pieces go on the offensive line. Because again, right now, Sam, I'm just not loving what we've seen from this interior specifically that makes me think they'll be any better this season just based off the continuity alone. We'll see. I mean, Reisner, Dalton Reisner, still plan A for me. Cody Ford, though, I think a solid plan B in my book. By the way, just speaking about draft picks, future draft picks, Quick look ahead at the 2024 draft as far as Vikings ammo goes. Vikings have their first and second rounder. No third rounder. That's Detroit's now, still from the Hawkinson deal. But they have Detroit's fourth rounder, so they basically just swapped third and fourth. So two fourth-round picks, two fifth-round picks, one from Cleveland and one from Kansas City when they move back in the draft. Their original fifth is Phillies now. That's still being recouped from that Jalen Rager deal. And then they have their sixth and no seventh. So quick recap, no third, but two fourths and two fifths. Something to keep in mind this season, root against the Lions, the Browns and the Chiefs. If you want the Vikings to have a higher draft position next April. All right, let's, uh, let's end with everyone's favorite. What's more likely? Can you kick on some tunes for me again? First one up, what's more likely? Which young player is most likely to keep their starting job for the entire 2023 season? A Caleb Evans, Brian Asamoah, or Ed Engram? What's more likely? So Evans, I worry about injuries. Ingram, I worry about performance. Asamoah, so, you worry about Ivan Pace? Yeah, we kind of we're thrown off the scent right now because. And it, it sounds like we're going a little Asamoah action from Asamoah, Asamoah, Asamoah. Um, I don't think he's actually losing his job. I think that he's the starter. I think he's just been hurt. So he's going to be the starter. Honestly, like, think about who got replaced last year. It's Hicks. Hicks was the guy who lost his, his rep count. Yeah, Pace is Asam- coming in for anyone. It's it's Hicks. I, I would, I would think. I, I would, would think, think so. Absolutely. Practicing the green dot, you know, yeah. like he, I, that makes sense to me. So I think, I think BA, Brian Asimois, I think that he's going to be uh, locked in. And, and I think you make a great point too. I think on paper, everyone goes, well, Caleb Evans, I mean, doesn't really have a lot of competition. He's clearly the number two corner, cement that in stone right now. But you're right, the concussions, man, played a huge factor last year. Knock on wood, he can stay healthy and keep that starting job. All right, next one up. Which 2022 draft class player is most likely to become a full-time starter by 2025? Jalen Naylor, Lewis Seen, or Andrew Booth Jr. 2025. We're going two years out here, Sam. 2025. Mm. Jalen uh, Naylor, Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth. It's Seen. Seen is under contract that year. Um, Harrison Smith will be retired. Cam Bynum will have gotten his second contract. And Josh Metellus will be long gone. As Everyone's going to be gone. But Lewis Seen will still be here. Fourth year of his rookie deal. Maybe a fifth-year option, too. So he'll be the starter there for a couple of years. It's Lewis Seen. Okay, what if I said, same draft class, still looking two years out, Vidarian Lowe, Asezi, or Nick Muse? Which player is most likely to become a full-time starter by 2025? Lowe, Asezi, or Nick Muse? It's not Asezi. 
Nick Muse is tough because it's like, well, okay, are they going to sign Hawkinson to like this mega seven-year deal? I mean, he could still be tight end two, I guess, maybe, but Josh Oliver's around for three years. Vidarian Lowe, obviously, Derisaw could be locked up long-term. Maybe they move Vidarian Lowe to guard at some point, maybe on the inside. I think it's Vidarian Lowe. I, uh, and again, it's hard to find what, like, who he's replacing exactly because you would like to say O'Neill and Derisa are here. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's, I think, less of a blockage for him. Like, he uh, just has so many people to jump and contend with. And he's all, I don't, I just also don't know if he's good yet. Um, and and you're saying that because you've seen him standing up more and you're specifically talking about more of like an edge guy than like a hand in the dirt five tech kind of guy. Is that kind of the rumor or what you've been seeing a lot with the Sezi so I far in this camp? Yeah, I, I think they see him as a versatile guy. I think yeah. that he can do, you know, two point, three point stance, move a little in and out. But as a role player, I don't think they see him as an every down player. And, and I don't know what where he would slot in down the road. Because um, I will I also, say path of least resistance, it feels like, okay, well, he's only got to beat a guy like Dean Lowry. If if it is hand in the dirt, Dean Lowry, I mean, how long is he going to be around? Harrison Phillips is a free agent in 2024. It just seems like compared to Nick Muse and Badarian Lowe, maybe he's got the least competition. But you're right. I could see it as far as talent goes. Seems like he's pretty capped off at a certain kind of threshold as far as being a role guy. You're right. Well, and... I just don't know if any of these guys make the team, right? Like, I think Vidarian Lowe probably most likely, so maybe that's what's influencing me here. But I like your rationale on Asesi, too. There, there's so much room for promotions for these young guys because, no, like, no one is on the roster in two years. No one is signed long-term. So there are openings for all of them to shoot up the ladder and take those spots because Quazy does not have much of a roster built for 2025 at all. Let's go to a fun one here. Light, easy. What's more likely to be the higher total in joint practices? Number of viral video clips or Ryan Wright's 70-plus yard punts? Last week, we had the one Bradbury viral clip, and we also had a 90-yard boom from Mr. Ryan Wright. What's going to be the higher total in joint practices? Let's go viral videos. I don't know if Ryan Wright will have the extreme wind conditions he had last week. So I think Chris Boyd will generate at least two viral clips this week with his antics, knowing him, knowing, you know, what fires him up. I think that's going to, it might get heated in addition to the weather with Chris Boyd. So let's go with viral. Yeah, I'm with you. I like that one. What's more likely to be the higher total in the final preseason game? quarterback scrambles by the Vikings or total tight end catches seven total catches by tight ends last week only two scrambles by Hall one by Mullins for three it's gonna be the higher total this week Jaron Hall's gonna play a lot more for even if he goes to four or five scrambles though I still think the tight end total wins out Ben Sims Colin Thompson Nick Muse. Yeah, tight ends. Yeah, my gut goes, well, it's got to be scrambles, right? I mean, like you said, Jaron Hall in there. Nick Mullins throws in one or two. Tight ends can't duplicate what they did last week. But clearly, there's just so much talent and competition with this tight end four, five, and six. And I think KOC really wants to get a good long look at those guys before final cutdown day. All right, last one. What's more likely? Jordan Addison leads all rookies in receiving yards or... Any other rookie from the Vikings class turns into a full-time starter by season's end. That would be Makai Blackman, Jaqueline Roy, Jay Ward, Jaron Hall, Dwayne McBride, or Ivan Pace Jr., the undrafted. Jordan Addison leads all rookies in receiving yards, or one of those other rookies ends up being a starter by season's end. Yeah, I'm going back and forth on this one. Jordan Addison's frame still worries me and he's already dealt with a concussion and a, a separate injury yeah not all great. this offseason not great it, it, yeah like it's just i think it's going to be hard to rely on him for 17 games and for that reason like this is why kj osborne is going to be your your number two is because he's just addison hasn't been on the field enough um so i think 
Addison will not lead the league in receiving yards for rookies. So I think that you look to a Makai Blackman, definitely possible. Um, probably not Jaquelin Roy. Who else? Who knows, though? Maybe Jaquelin Roy. I don't. Is Dean Laurie that good? I'm sorry. Who just gloss over that dude? I don't know if Dean Lowry is good. That is a good I don't know if Jaqueline Roy is good either, by the way. But, you know, I like the tape. Seems like he's got higher upside. Coaches like him. Was working with the ones at some point during OTAs. Maybe. How many? I mean, only takes Alexander Madison. Ty Chandler feels like a great number two running back. A great one. A third down Mm -hmm. guy. You know, change of pace guy. I don't know if he's a bell cow. I don't know if he's a guy that you give it 22 times in between the tackles a game. If you're trying to wear down a defense, especially in the second half, Madison goes down. Dwayne McBride certainly feels like that type of runner and the body frame. So he's a possibility as well. And then, of course, we've already talked about Ivan Pace. I don't know. Week six, week eight, week 10. He's going to be that pick. guy. Yeah, he yeah. could definitely be that guy. Uh, really good. Uh, if you don't think Jordan Addison's going to lead all rookies, again, I got my fantasy football draft. First of two this Friday night. Who do you think is going to lead all rookies in receiving yards? You got a guy at the top of your head I can write down? Uh, Quentin Johnston. Yeah, I like it. Kellen Moore, new offensive coordinator in town. Justin Herbert, one of the best young gunslingers in the game. I like that one, man. Save Flowers is getting a little bit of love. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, obviously, getting a lot of love. A lot of mouths to feed in that Seattle offense, though, all of a sudden, too. Quentin Johnston, that one's going to be interesting for sure. All right, man, that was fun. Great stuff per usual. I know you got to roll to practice. Can't wait to pick your brain on tomorrow's episode, by the way, about these uh, joint practices coming up as well. And again, we'll have all the training camp and preseason coverage all month long up on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel and right here every day on the Minnesota Football Party. That's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of the Football Party. This is your one-stop shop of everything Minnesota Vikings. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning into the Football Party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the Mailbag Edition with Kara Levin's very own Reggie Wilson. But until then, I'm Luke Inman. On Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman, signing out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.